It's Wednesday, the 2nd of December. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by Shane Lee. How are you, mate? Great to be here, Timmy. Another exciting day in news, mate, particularly in sport. Absolutely. And just giving you a little bit of insight into who we are. Tim Gilbert is my name. I work at Sky News these days, do the weekend breakfast show there and worked across shows like Racing Dreams and, and Business of Sport, plus many, many other things. Now, Shane, since your cricketing career finished, you've really been at the centre of business and, and worked in and around the media and advertising. I have, and uh, post-cricket, I co-founded a company called Insights. I was involved intimately in the sponsorship side of things, in particular the RTA deal for Cricket New South Wales, um, the Commonwealth Bank sponsorship deal and the Johnny Walker deal of Cricket Australia. So I've been in and around I understand the broadcasting, which we'll talk about today, where Cricket Australia and Channel 7 are going head-to-head, mate. Yeah, what a story that is, of course. Absolutely unbelievable. Lewis Hamilton, if you can believe it, has tested positive to COVID-19. Brent Naden at Penrith. There's problems at the base of the mountains. We're going to talk to a former cricketer who doesn't like some of the new innovation, and we're going to have a real treat, a delight, when we catch up with Iron Woman. Georgia Miller. You just wait to see how much work goes into what they do. This is Afternoon Sport. It's a Wednesday. It's hump day. It's great to have your company. Yeah. Let's get into it. This is Afternoon Sport. So much to discuss, Shane. Let's start with the cricket situation because we're watching some wonderful cricket on the TV. Obviously, we've been watching the Fox Sports coverage and look, the numbers have been through the roof. But in the sidelines and in the courts... There's this massive drama going on with Cricket Australia and their commercial TV partner for at least a lot of the stuff here in Australia domestically, Channel 7. Mate, there's huge issues going on behind the scenes. It all boils down to money. Unfortunately, Timmy, like always, uh, look, Channel 7 have a $450 million contract sitting with Cricket Australia. As we know, mate, the only thing people are really watching live on TV is sport. Sport's the only real commodity that's that's valuable. You've got Foxtel that have struggled with all the other streaming services like your Netflixes, your your stands, your KOs, your Amazons. There's a real fight. Cricket Australia under Nick Hockley are going to have to be really, really careful here because if they don't get it right, what will definitely happen is that the dollars will dry up. Clearly, Channel 7 are trying to get out of their $450 million contract, but the dollars will dry up. Cricket Australia will have to bring their production in-house, which would be a huge turnaround and a a total change to their business plan. It's bad, isn't it, when it gets into the courts like this? Look, here we are. We're we're in summer. Mate, it is, but it it boils down to where Channel 7's real grievance is is that the BCCI and that the Indian Cricket Board wield too much power and Cricket Australia just flipped and changed the whole schedule on Channel 7 based on what India wanted. We all know that Cricket Australia get about $300 million a year just out of the Indian agreement with the BCCI. So they've they, they got two sort of parents here. <laughs> where, where do they go with their, their broadcasting partner in Channel 7 or, or the BCCI? There's a real conundrum there. How do you think it'll play out? Look, I think it'll play out. Um, Channel 7 don't want to pay that. Channel 7 probably can't afford to pay that. They've bought up a number of rights this year, a number of massive TV shows as well. Unfortunately, what's going to end up is the players, the money won't filter down and in women's cricket will start to see, um, will be um, damaged because of it. And one of the big things for Cricket Australia is as good as the sport is and as, you know, there's been some pretty prosperous years there's not a lot of money in the till. We saw that when COVID hit. But there's not. And they're spending a lot of money. You saw that with the NRL. Now, with that, they were spending a fortune up to $500,000 a day on, on a big administration. One thing that COVID 
will do, it, it will streamline a lot of organisations. People are realising they don't need these big corporate structures. They're realising that people don't need to be in big offices. They can work from home. So hopefully that'll help. But saying that, you've got your, your two biggest partners, the BCCI and the Indian Cricket Board, who drive most of the revenue over the, a four-year cycle with Cricket Australia, and then your major broadcasting partner in Channel 7. You've got Foxtel there as well, but Foxtel are on a different deal and get different rights under that agreement. But, you know, they're, they're playing with fire here, Cricket Australia, and, and Nick Hockley, the pressure's on him to, to, to get it right and to get it right fast. Yeah, and, and I'm a fan of Nick. He's done great jobs with different things in the past, uh, including World Cups. What a bombshell in Formula One. They're, they're managing to get back out on the track, and we saw that with the Bahrain Grand Prix and the winner, Lewis Hamilton. But now he's been diagnosed as a positive COVID-19 case. It's far-reaching, this virus, and Formula One, two bits of bad news in, in, in the one week. Saying that, I'm sure they'll do everything they can, but people don't realise the teams that go behind a Formula One driver are huge. So there's going to, there's going to literally be hundreds and hundreds of people in isolation based off one positive test from a driver. Yeah, but it also goes to show from a positive perspective how the show can go on because they're going to continue on with the next Grand Prix. He'll be missing and can't get back to the F1 paddock. And when I say the paddock, if you ever worked on a Formula One, it's like a it's a massive rolling circus uh, until he tests negative. So we'll watch that case with interest. But uh, it is uh, interesting to look at that in in terms of the future and, and some of the big sporting events. Now, what about Brent Naden out of Penrith? Of Penrith, you know, like, they made the grand final, but they might as well have finished sixth in, in, in NRL and competitions where there's grand finals. If you come second, it hurts. He's had that. He's had a lot of other things going on and now uh, provisionally suspended because of cocaine use or, or testing positive to cocaine. Yeah, Ivan Cleary has definitely got his work cut out this preseason. He's had a team that's performed extremely well, winning 17 matches in a row throughout the throughout the winter, faltering at the grand final. And now some more bad news with Brent testing positive. He really needs to get that team together because uh, they are a, a, an outstanding young bunch of men that perform so well. And hopefully, under his tutelage, they can get everything right both on and off the field. Well, you've seen it. You've played it at the highest level and observed it. Uh, things can be very, very good for a long, long time, but they can quickly go down a narrow alleyway, can't they? Man, they can, and things can change. And, and when, when an off-season takes place, if, if you come off on a high, it's, 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 a, it's a great time, the off-season. You, you're doing a, a lot of things, but if you've had a negative finish to the season, you can dwell on it, sometimes overthink it, and go into the next season thinking and forgetting about all the successes you had the year before. Yeah, well said. Look, just finally, and getting back to that discussion on, on Channel 7 and and Cricket Australia and BCCI, like you and I have both travelled to India many, many times, worked on cricket. They are a powerful, powerful organisation. They pretty much run the game. Um, we know that. You saw that with John Howard, who tried to go onto the ICC board years ago, and India decided to to to, to, to vote him out because he was too strong in his thoughts and his and his wishes. Um, they are really strong, but that's where all the revenue comes from. So we have to play ball with with, with the big brother. Um, and as I said, Nick Hockley needs to work out how he manages those two powerhouses in his domestic broadcasting partner in Channel 7 and Foxtel and the big brother in the BCCI. It's a bit crazy, isn't it, when you think that the game itself so strong at the moment. We've got such depth in our 
in our ranks and, and the women's game is rocketing along that it's such a tenuous uh, thread over to the left. Well, mate, if you looked in the sort of in the 90s about with rugby union here, you'd think that they were in a real strong position as well and we're seeing how that um, disintegrated. So we need to be wary of our... Of our um, our national sport in cricket um, and really manage through these delicate processes. This is Afternoon Sport. We've had a wrap of some of the big topics of the day, but coming up, Iron Woman Georgia Miller. What a talent she is. And Lenny Pascoe, the fast bowler from the 70s. Boy, he was intimidating. That is on the way. This is Afternoon Sport. This is Afternoon Sports, Shane Lee, of course, and Tim Gilbert in the chair, and it's a real delight to talk about things of the surf, and some of the greatest athletes in Australia, around the world, are iron men and iron women, and one of the very, very best, of course, uh, a former champion of the New Grain Iron Woman Series, and no doubt uh, will have a championship in the future, Coolangatta gold winner, Australian titles, you name it, there's pretty much nothing that this guest has not done. Georgia Miller, how are you? Hi guys, yeah, I'm really well. How are you? Great, Georgia. Georgia, you grew up on the, the northern beaches in Sydney. Did, did it all start in nippers? Yes, it did. So I started nippers um, in the under sixes and fell in love with it. Yeah, it was just so much fun. I loved being in the water. I have um, two older sisters who are also involved in nippers. So I was kind of dragged around to everything and um, yeah, nippers was definitely my favourite and now I'm 24, living on the Gold Coast, living out my dreams. So it's um, it's pretty crazy. And look, a lot of people get to see the end product when it's on television and all the bright lights. How much work goes in to what you do? Oh, it's um, it's pretty ridiculous actually how much work we put in. So it's about three to four sessions a day that goes into behind the scenes of just what people see on race day. So. It's huge. We we wake up at 4.30 in the morning to go swimming training at the pool, which some people say is pretty crazy to be in the pool as well. I mean, we swim in the surf, but then we're off to the track or off to the gym, and then it's back in the afternoon to the beach to do either a swim, board, ski, or Ironman, Ironwoman sessions. So it's a lot to fit in, and we do all work and study at the same time, so we're kind of juggling it all. George, you mentioned your studies. You, you finished a degree in um, tertiary childhood studies. Yeah. Um, and you're currently working that um, in, the, in your spare minutes off. Firstly, I've got two young daughters, and I think it's it's great that um, young girls need strong, independent, driven women. So so well done on that. And w- w- why early childhood for you? Is that just another passion outside of your sport? Yeah, absolutely. I love kids, and um, I mean, I'm actually – started studying at uni now I'm actually studying nursing as well so I've gone wow. back and I'm, I'm I can lend, I can lend you some if you want them for a while <laughs> why not love a good babysit so um yeah I was doing early childhood which I loved growing up I was a nanny back when I was at home while I was still training and studying but now I'm actually working at the surf club here at BMD Northcliff training and studying nursing now so it's a lot to fit in, but um, yeah, I absolutely love it. It keeps me on my toes, that's for sure. It's um, a nice getaway from doing all the training as well, and it's just setting me up for the future post Iron Woman racing. Yeah, we're just a few weeks away from the first round, and of course, you've got a lot of years ahead of you in Iron Woman racing. How much has COVID affected you? Look, we were really lucky up here on the Gold Coast. Um, yeah, things were cancelled, um, training was suspended. 
But, I mean, we were so lucky to be here. We didn't have a full lockdown, which was amazing. So we were able to keep some sort of training going. It wasn't formal training, but now we're in the full swing of things, getting ready for rounds one and two of the new Train Eye Women Series. Fantastic. Georgia, Timmy mentioned a lot of your achievements um, in the intro there. Uh, at 24, what's what's the highlight for you thus far? Uh, it's hard to go past winning the Triple Crown. Um, I can't yeah. really pick which one of those wins was the biggest, the greatest, whatever you want to call it. Um, they were all equally amazing and I wanted to win all of them. So, um, yeah, that was definitely hard to, it's hard to come by and now I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to do anything as special as that again, but, you know, I'll keep trying and it's um, it's in the history books now that I've won that Triple Crown and, yeah, no one can take that away from me, which is pretty special. Now, for the uninitiated, take us through the Triple Crown so people understand exactly what goes into achieving something like that. Yeah, so it's all in the one season. You have to win three titles, which is the Coolangatta Gold, which is the 42-kilometre iconic race along the Gold Coast coastline. It's winning the, um, the overall series of the Nutrigrain, which has six rounds throughout the year. So you have to be very consistent over that. And then it's winning the Australian title, which was held up here on the Gold Coast, which finishes off the season. So that's, you have to win all of them in the same season. Brilliant. And, and when's the next big event? Do you say how, how far away is that? So we've got about three weeks till rounds one and two of the Nutrigrain Iron Women Series. So that'll kick off our summer. And then um, after Christmas, we'll get back into things and um, for three and four. And then mid-Feb, we'll have round five and six. Well, I, I had a lot of great fun calling um, calling the series. And, and I can see the athletes. And I've seen you guys in action, also done bits and pieces, working with Tony from Brand Faction and, and you guys in, in that media training area. You're all fantastic ambassadors for the sport. One of the things that really jumps at me is I think it was you and Maddie Bavalacqua going over to New Zealand, getting towed in to those huge waves. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it's, it was an incredible experience. Um, a big thank you to Nutrigrain and, and Brand Faction for setting that up. So um, we had this plan to do something pretty crazy. Um, so I'd won the Triple Crown and I was just looking for, for something more, um, something that was out of my comfort zone because I feel like you really grow as a person when you just jump outside your comfort zone and try something new. So Matt Bevelacqua had just done chip turns. He's just paddled into one of the biggest waves I've ever seen um, on his paddleboard. So I asked him for some help and we came up with this plan to go to New Zealand and get towed into these incredible waves by a helicopter. So, um, yeah, if you've seen the ad, it's, it's pretty insane. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of things that could have gone wrong, but, Fortunately, they didn't. We um, had a great team behind us and, yeah, it turned out so well and we were so happy with the end product and it was also great to have Taj Burrow, the professional surfer, come along with us and um, he was actually on the jet skis and, yeah, it was it was just incredible and it's something I will never forget. Yeah, still living the dream of that, that's for sure. Hey, Georgia, um, I've got Letty Pascoe coming on the show just after this, and um, he's a mad fisherman, and he tells me there's a lot of sharks about. Are you see, I don't, I don't want to disturb you, but you see many sharks in the water up there? I wish you um, didn't tell me. I'm literally just about to get in the water. It's still early up here on the Gold Coast, so it's probably not the best time to be getting in. Makes you swim faster. <laughs> to be honest, I haven't seen any, So, and we're in the water a lot. 
So I don't know if I'm just oblivious to it or I just don't see them or whatever it is or they're not there, but I'm going to stick with they're not there um, just for peace of mind. But, um, yeah, it's, it's their territory, not ours. <laughs> Georgia, it's been great to chat. Let's continue this discussion over the summer months. All the best for a couple of weeks with the first of the Nutrigrain Ironwoman series and um, go get them. Thank you so much. Yeah, chat through the summer. Thanks, guys. This is Afternoon Sport coming up real soon. He's one of the greats of Australian fast bowling. Lenny Pascoe, the boy from Bankstown. Well, we've seen some great cricket so far this summer. Of course, all the drama off the field, but on the field has been nothing but electrifying. Two centuries from Steve Smith and Shane. Our next guest, of course, uh, I'm old enough to have loved watching him in the coloured clothes of the 70s and boy, he bowl fast, particularly if you made him cranky. Mate, he's the boy from Bankstown, Lenny Pascoe. I love Lenny. He's always got a really good opinion on things. And I want to ask Lenny first up, your old captain, Ian Chappell, has come out this week and said it's destroying the game, the fact that batsmen are allowed to reverse sweep or effectively switch hit. You're seeing Glenn Maxwell face up right-handed, then turn around and hit the ball left-handed. And he's saying as a captain, it's almost impossible to set a field to. And it's not fair. Bowlers have to nominate which arm they bowl with. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's cheating. I think the reverse sweep and the uh, ramp, the ramp is particularly dangerous. Uh, imagine a wicked kicker there, the batsman suddenly tries to hit the ball over his head. What happens if he miscalculates? Is him right in the face. And what about this? What if I decided that I'd bowl around the wicket instead of over the wicket at the last minute? I saw Doug Waters do this once uh, in a shield game to Rod Marsh. He ran up right behind the umpire and then darted out to the uh, to the left uh, to bowl you know, over the wicket. So uh, if a bowler can't change his stance or his position, why then should a batsman be able to do it? And look, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it's become so embedded in the game land, particularly the modified versions of it. Uh, it's right up there in the things that I really despise about the game, with the front foot no ball. All these scientists and everybody are looking at reasons why uh, players are coming down with uh, broken backs and that. I grew up in those early days where it was a back foot rule. And then uh, the, the Poms tried to handle the West Indians and thought it was a good idea to make it a front foot rule uh, to combat the fast bowlers. But uh, in doing so, uh, it's, I think it's created a hell of a lot of uh, back injuries. Um, and to give you an example, imagine you're walking along a path and uh, your foot hits a little crack and you lose your balance and you fall. Well, that's the same effect that you have when you have the front foot no ball rule. Uh, that front foot should be allowed to run free so you can have a uh, stable delivery position. Mm. So uh, they're the three big things in my, as far as I'm concerned, the ramp, the reverse sweep, and the front foot no ball rule. Get rid of the thing. Lenny, uh, here's an argument, but maybe the bowlers, why are the bowlers practising bowling left arm? I'll tell you what, if I, if I was a batsman and you said to me, I'm, I'm going to bowl left arm to you, or Jeff Thompson's now going to bowl left arm. Well, I'd be quite happy as a batsman, one would think. We had a guy called Kenny McDonald <laughs> who played at Bankstown, and he can bowl uh, left arm, right arm just as good. And uh, you know, one over he's bowling right arm, and the next over he's bowling left arm. And uh, we thought that was an advantage. Uh, Lady, just quickly, uh, we've already won the one-day series. Your predictions for the Test Series against India? Oh, look, without Kohli, uh, Australia's got to be uh, the favourites. Um, but then again, we've lost Warner. 
it's uh, a bit worrying. Warner is now 34 years of age, and uh, they're trying to find a place for Pakulski. And uh, Burns is uh, old school cricketer. He's an old school batsman, and uh, I really like Burns. I think we need someone like him in this modern game. Um, and I'm just a bit concerned that if this groin injury goes on for six months, and it's quite possible that could happen, yeah, we could be seeing the beginning of the end of David Warner. Thanks, Lenny. Really appreciate it, buddy. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to our field reporters, Georgia Miller and Lenny Pascoe. Thank you to our sponsors, O'Brien Beer. And, of course, thank you to our producer, the wonderful, the one and only, the king of podcasts, Dan McHugh. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon with your daily dose of sports news. Shane. We'll see you then.